everyone. Welcome to Thingamajigs. I am Danielle. And I am Ben. It is a beautiful May Saturday. I had a wonderful weekend. What about you? It was okay. What do you mean it was okay? We put a puzzle together. I'm never happy with my weekends because I know as soon as they're over, it's not the weekend anymore, and that makes me sad. You know, it is said that anticipation of a thing that you enjoy is the best part. It's better than the enjoyment of the thing that you're about to do. Oh, yeah. Those days when you're like, oh, the weekend's coming up, that's the best. Well, I had a great weekend because I got to put 300 pieces of joy together and that joy was the face of a cat. Yes. And for those of you at home who are not following along, uh, she is, in fact, talking about a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle. She did not assemble the face of a cat. I believe that would take more than 300 pieces. Well, eh, how many bones are in there? It can't be that many. You got the bones, and then you got the skin, and just slip it on over there. Well, you got to have put at least two eyes. It's like four whiskers on each side. Anyway, I kind of have to pee. I'm going to have to wait, though, because I'm not wearing a diaper. Oh, no. Yeah, but it's okay because I wanted to bring that that needing to pee vibe. you got to bring that energy. Yeah, it really pumps me up. Can you guess what we're going to talk about today? Um, How to nail a job interview by drinking a lot of water and not going to the restroom beforehand. No, but I have heard of that tactic. We're going to talk about diapers. Oh, Uh, okay. That makes sense, I guess. Much like toilet paper, how people diapered their babies greatly depended on their environment and what was nearby. In our case, it would be that blanket over there on the couch, maybe a towel. That curtain right there is pretty nice. You know what? We got a lot of marshmallows here. I bet you if you, like, put all those together. Pretty absorbent. Uh, That sounds sticky. Originally, we didn't have diapers. They just went naked, and it was trendy. I did see some accounts of babies in warmer climates wearing a beaded covering, but it wasn't to absorb anything, obviously. It was just for general genital protection. We have said before in recent episodes, you got to protect your genitals. Well, they did, and it was with beaded underwear, which I think is quite fun. Well, I don't know. Those can be very hard. and Although, it would make sliding around on the floor really fun because round beads really get, get some momentum going. Get that ball bearing effect. <laughs> I think I saw some beaded underwear for sale on the Facebook marketplace. Ooh, steel. Are you sure it wasn't, you know, the other thing that people use beads for? I'm pretty sure, but I have also seen those beads for sale on the Facebook marketplace. Really? People buy that kind of stuff secondhand? I don't know if anybody buys it, but they sure are selling it. Well, if there's a market, people will come. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, people who lived in colder climates like the Inuits used seal skin stuffed with moss which probably was fairly comfortable, not for the seal. Sounds nice and toasty. I like that. Well, I mean, it was very cold. But there are historical documents that suggest forms of quote-unquote diapering for the purpose of catching waste were used even in ancient times. Babies may have been wrapped in milkweed leaf, animal skin, moss, linens, just whatever organic material was local and somewhat absorbent. Now, this is an excellent time to mention elimination communication, can you can you even guess? That was that Coldplay album, right? That was a banger. 
it is believed that many people used this training method for cutting down the accidents that came along with having unbound or unreliable diapering practices. People would learn their baby's signals for when they were about to relieve themselves and hold the baby over a bucket or near a tree or over the street, whatever was the most convenient place. So how are you supposed to read these signs? What are the signs that a baby's about to leak? So the the signs that a baby gives is really particular to your baby and the person providing the care, which was, I mean, honestly, usually the mother's would have to just figure it out. They're, they would all be kind of different. This whole concept led me down a long rabbit hole about people doing this in the now times, and people were stating that their nine-month-old babies, who obviously couldn't talk, would sign, as in sign language, to them that they needed to go, and the moms would hold them over this weird little newborn toilet thing that looked like an upside-down top hat. So, hmm... It's an interesting concept, and I like the I like the idea of it. Do, do we know if it's, like, actually real or if it's, like, uh, drinking your own pee to make your eyes wider? No, I believe it is a real thing. Um, I watched a couple of videos from that actress who plays Amy Farrah Fowler on The Big Bang Theory. She's actually a scientist in her profession. She was talking about how she did it with her children and enjoyed the process, I guess. Huh. I know kids can sign things. I've I've heard people talk about how their baby will sign that they want more. They'll do the sign for more for like food and things like that. So it's not I have seen that in action. That 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 is definitely real. Right. So it's not unrealistic that they could sign that they needed to go potty. But, you know, to each their own. I know most of the time we don't give kids enough credit for how much they can actually do how much they know or understand. This method is still frequently used in rural parts of China, and they have these split pant things that help them be covered and allow the child to do its business unencumbered. That's not exactly what it is, and also, you just cursed. What's wrong with that? We don't curse on this show. We don't? No. Isn't a curse word? Yes, it is. They say it on Bosbergers. They also say it in the Bible. There you go. But back to diapers, because this is about diapers. Now, this method of using whatever was nearby went on for a long time, and we're already covered some of the materials or lack of materials used. So in medieval times, swaddling was the closest thing to a diaper they had. It was a long piece of material that wrapped around the baby's legs and body. They thought it would help the baby's legs and arms grow straight, but it immobilized them and kept them in one spot, so I think there was some ulterior motive there. Just putting their babies in straight jackets. Kind of. That's cool. Well, I mean, we put our babies on, not babies, but we put our children on leashes now. I should clarify, not our children. We don't have children, but people in this plane of existence in our time do leash their children. At least the leashes give them a little bit of movement. You know, get to work them muscles. A good portion of the 16th century European babies spent much of their first two years swaddled or at least in their cribs. Wow. Do you remember seeing like in movies uh, in in like London, all of the cribs or what did they call them? Prams. They would sit in their pram right outside the door so that they could get some sun. 
There'd be like lines of them. I haven't seen that, but I know that we used to have, I've seen an advertisement for a cage that you could set up in your window that would uh, suspend your baby above the street. This is so not they a could thing. Get sun. It's That's a thing. for cats. I will. That's I called will, a catio. I will put it in the document. Okay. The alternative was just long a long gown that they just freebirded. I also read a section on how they weren't changed very often, and when they did change them, they didn't wash the cloth. They just shook it out and hung it to dry. That. Had to be some smelly babies. Well, we should keep in mind that this is before germ theory, so they didn't have the same concept of boiling rags and such to kill bacteria as we do today. So when we think of diaper, we think of the things that babies wear. But when the word became popular in the late 1800s, it was referring to the pattern. I think people who quilt or work with tile will recognize a diaper pattern. Do you... Do you it's, know what that is? Yeah, it's like uh, you start in the middle and then you make like a rhombus outward, something like that. Cloth with interlocking patterns of shapes was popular for wrapping around children. The name stuck, and now when we think of the word diaper, our first thought is the things that babies wear. 1800s is also when we see what most resembles a cloth diaper today, Cloth diapers have gone through some major innovations, but these are the classic cloth diapers you think of with, like, safety pins, which was invented by Walter Hunt. You could make an argument that cloth diapers were invented by ancient cultures who used natural materials and animal skins, but the 1800s is when we see what looks like a modern definition of a diaper. We can thank Maria Allen for the mass production of cloth diapers. I have no idea how, but she is credited over and over, and I don't have an explanation. I also was unable to find any kind of citation surrounding her invention of diapers, but it seems to be widely known or believed. It's very widely agreed upon, so I figured I would add it, but I have no explanation of why or how. Could just be some random person who added their name to Wikipedia in their house in Ohio as a joke. I I mean, this is, I don't just look at Wikipedia. In fact, I kind of stay away from Wikipedia, but she is credited in many places whenever you whenever you look up well, that's because they the read history. it on Wikipedia. Maria Allen in Ohio, I'm on to you. I believe she's long dead. I don't think you're on to anyone. I'm pretty I mean unless you're gonna go dig her up, which would be horrible desecration. Maria Allen, I will have my vengeance upon your corpse. No, no We need to strike that from the record. We have no vengeance upon any corpses. Wink. Now we are going to get into the early 20th century. Women everywhere are using cloth diapers. Germ theory has taken off. World War II is raging. So we've realized we should probably be boiling and washing these cloth diapers. But with all the men being drafted into the service, we have women stepping up and working 9 to 5 jobs. They don't have time to wash all these nappies which is a British word that I thought I would throw in there. What a delightful word. Thank you, Britain. Better than the bog roll. So they signed up for a diaper service. This service takes your old dirty diapers and they drop off fresh clean ones. Isn't it a beautiful thing to live in society? When was this? 
That was during World War II, you say? The early 20th century. Wow, they... Milk and diapers might have been some of the first subscri- subscription services. Yeah, I was going to say, if if they launched that right now, it would probably be huge. Are you on a diaper? I can see it. It's D-I-A-P-R, the app on your phone. You uh, sign up there and you get your monthly supply of diapers. Well, we kind of have that if you think of... Instacart? Instacart, that's what I'm thinking of. So you can you can still have a diaper service. You just have to add it to your cart. Cha-ching! Now, things were not perfect. Even though we finally entered an era of reliable, fresh, clean cloth diapers, these things still leaked bad. Some people would add wool or just double up on the cloth to help with the leaking situation. But the next big thing in the diaper world was rubber pants. Rubber pants. Rubber pants. Now... I'm going to use my intuition here. Tell me if I'm right. Would that be pants made of rubber? Well, it depends on your definition of pants. It's not full-legged pants. That's good. That would be horrible. Very sweaty. People at this time were very concerned with keeping the things in their house nice. So everybody had more stuff and we wanted to keep our stuff so this was a this was great because you slipped it over the cloth diaper and it stopped the leaking. However, these things did not breathe and that led to chafing and bad diaper rash. Not to mention we are still washing the dang things, so things are still not perfect. I didn't even think about the chafing. Oh my goodness, imagine slipping into some rubber pantaloons. I bet Boudreaux's butt paste, they were probably very popular if they were around then. I have no idea when that happened. Now, I do think it's important to mention that we are in the Great Depression time frame, and it was very difficult for a great deal of people. Those who couldn't afford to buy material specifically designed for diapering would use something like a flour sack, potato sack. They were very versatile. You can make dresses, you can make diapers, you can make curtains, and they came with your food product. I thought it was very nice that around that time they started printing... Um, like floral patterns and things on the sacks so that people's dresses would be prettier. I Yeah, I, I also think that that's a, a sweet sentiment. You also have prettier diapers. Now, Marion Donovan is a pretty big name in American diaper history. She was born in Indiana in 1917. Her mother died when she was young, so she spent a lot of time with her father, who was an inventor, most notably known for inventing the South Bend lathe. Do you, do you know what that is? I had to look it up. Do you know what that is? South Bend lathe. I know that a lathe is something that turns a material so you can like shape it or carve it, but I don't know what the, the South Bend part is. So it's a tool for grinding automobile gears. Oh. Now, Marion went to college and got an English lit degree, got a job in New York, met a man, got married... And then she resigned and decided to start a family. Now, as you can imagine, this woman, who obviously was very bright, was not satisfied with cloth diapers and was frustrated with having to not only change diapers, but the clothes and the bedding and anything else that was leaked on. She said to herself, there must be a better way. She got out her sewing machine and took down her shower curtain and got to work on a pattern that not only had removable cloth inserts, but also had snap fasteners instead of safety pins. So like buttons? 
Yeah. Have you ever seen, like, on baby clothes, this little snap things that you snap up? Not really. Oh. But it was a snap-on diaper? Yeah. Instead of the instead of the pokey safety pins that you could easily poke, yeah. poke your baby's little tender fleshy bits. That sounds much nicer. Good, good on her. Now, this is huge because the nylon shower curtain material breathed much better and didn't irritate the skin like the rubber pants did. She called this product the boater because she thought it looked like a boat. The boater. Mm-hmm. That's cute. She then, of course, said, I need to get this out to other women. This is going to change their lives. But when she went to all the big manufacturers, she was met with a glass ceiling. They told her, we don't want it. No woman has asked for us for that, and they're very happy. No one asked them, I'm sure. And they buy our baby pants. So she manufactured it herself. And in 1949, she started selling them in stores, and they were an immediate success. In your face, men. This is a great example of men not being interested in what they consider women's issues. Because they didn't change diapers, so they lost out on that amazing opportunity. By 1951, she sold her company and rights to Kiko Corporation for a cool million dollars. Million dollars in 1951. That's about $12 million today. It's a cool lump of cash. Yeah, no joke. She didn't stop there, though. She went on to invent a soap dish that drains into the sink. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. And an elastic pull cord that attached to the zipper of a dress so that you could pull it up yourself and not have to have somebody there to, to help you. She did amazing things for women everywhere. She also went on to get her degree in architecture in 1958 and eventually designed her own home in 1980. This woman is unstoppable. She improved her own life, she improved the life of countless women, and she viewed the domestic housewife setting as a space for innovation, which I don't think anybody else was really too concerned with making housewifing an easier job. That's great. What a legend. We need to talk about her more. She was even inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame. Good. Now we're going to get into disposable diapers. There are a lot of people and companies that came out with disposable diapers, such as George M. Schroeder in 1947, who was asked to create a disposable diaper out of non-woven fabric. Valerie Hunter Gordon in 1947 developed a two-piece disposable diaper. In 1949, Eastern Airlines developed a disposable diaper for long flights, which became known as Chuck. Which I think is hilarious because of, like, Chuck's the shoe. I can see why they would uh, see a need there that needed to be filled. <laughs> in 1950, disposable cellulose wadding inside of a knitted mesh came in a long roll, and parents could cut the material to fit the baby. That's neat. Now, all of these things were luxury items. They were used mainly for special occasions like flying across the country, seeing a show, long car trips. They really didn't hold a lot of moisture, and they weren't really fitted well. And this was before little Velcro tabs. But they were convenient for going out, and parents thought that they were great. So, Good enough for now. By 1956, Procter & Gamble got involved. They bought Charmin. I know them. Mm-hmm. And they thought that they could expand the market with its newly acquired expertise in absorbent paper, which we know from toilet paper. 
along with their knowledge of mass production and distribution. They had an engineer by the name of Victor Mills who started a small-scale project just to test the disposable diaper waters. They focused on a simple one-piece rectangular diaper with a hydrophobic rayon liner and an outer covering made of plastic. They did have pleated edges to help fit around the legs, but it still used safety pins. It sounds like a garbage product in the comparison to Marion Donovan's snap fasteners, but its name was Pampers, so we all know how this story is going to end. I know them. Initially, they were too expensive, but Procter & Gamble developed a new manufacturing process, cut some costs, and in 1964, Pampers quickly sold out, and the rest is Pamper history. I guess it's okay. Marion got her million dollars, and... She went on to do great things after that. Obviously, there was some competition, so Kimberly Clark had been working on a disposable diaper for years before entering Kimby's into the mix in 1968. They took that rectangular shape and gave it more of an hourglass shape to fit the baby's body, and they used a polypropylene liner along with the adhesive tape fasteners. Woo! Tape fasteners. Tape fasteners. You know what I'm talking about, right? No. On the edges of diapers that go quick. And oh, then you okay. so like, the... stick them to the front. You know, little sticky guys we have now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are nice. By 1980, disposables accounted for more than 90% of diaper changes in the U.S. Procter & Gamble then introduced their Loves brand, and Kimberly Clark renamed to Huggies in 1978 and surpassed Pampers as the leading brand by the late 80s. It was Huggies all along. I know them. Also, fancy diaper brands are putting Cabbage Patch Kids on their diapers, so marketing is obviously going great. Now, here comes the 1990s, and global warming becomes a major buzzword, which is terrible for disposable diapers because every baby uses about 8,000 diapers in its diaper-wearing lifetime, and all of those end up right in our dumps. 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 Those take 500 years to decompose, all the while contributing to methane gas and all the things that come with thousands of dirty diapers filling our landfills. Well, guess what makes a resurgence due to all of this environmental consciousness? That's Not right. Not having babies. No. The cloth diaper. Oh. There are a lot of options, but I saw some all-in-ones with snap fasteners. I saw some two-piece things that had inserts with a cute encasing. They range from 10 to $27. And if you have the time, they save you some mad money. I might have the time, but I don't have the mental fortitude. I am of the opinion that you don't have to commit to either one. Like, you can use your disposable diapers and do cloth at the same thing. I don't think that you have to choose one over the other. Every time you use a cloth diaper, that's one less disposable diaper. I like it. A lot of people have strong opinions of reusable diapers, cloth diapers, They think that they're either the worst thing ever and they won't even consider it, or they think it's the best thing ever and they will die by it. But that, I like that. I like that message. I think if you're home and it's convenient for you to do cloth diapers, then then do it. It's amazing. Well, I guess I don't, we don't have children, so it's hard for us to say anything about maintaining children. 
but it sounds amazing. And then whenever you go out in town and, you know, it's less convenient, use your disposable diapers. I still have to pee. Well, then I guess we should end the show here. Yep. I should have added adult diapers to this list, but I I didn't think about it until just now, now that I need to pee and I can't get to the bathroom because I'm, you know, obviously chained to this microphone. But yeah, that probably would have been a good thing to add was adult diapers. Maybe next time. So I've been Danielle the whole time. And I, for at least a portion of the time, have been Ben, and we thank you for listening to this week's episode of Thingamajigs. Don't forget to grab a goose and buy some beads. And for the love of all things sanitary, buy them new. Or get a really good deal on Facebook. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Go! Record!